0: Well, welcome to another Music Ally Focus with me, Joe Sparrow, Music Ally writer, and Stuart Dredge, Music Ally's editor. Uh, Hi, Stu. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Good. How are you doing? Yeah, yeah, very good. Always uh, nice to talk to you, of course. And, uh, well, Music Ally provides an analysis-rich guide to the music business, and that's what Music Ally Focus does as well. Uh, We're looking at the most meaningful music business stories and analysing them in brief. This podcast should take about the same time as it would take to listen to Napalm Death's You Suffer, the shortest commercially released song at 1.3 seconds, 692 times, Stu. And you have to question what would be the best use of your time. Uh, So Stu, with that in mind, what is going on with the IFPI's annual global music report which was released uh, just a few days ago? This is an annual report which covers all recorded music around the world. What's the sort of key headline and interesting facts in
1: it this year? Yeah, well, as you said, it's recorded music. So we're not talking about publishing or sync or live or any of those things, just recordings and label revenues. And they grew by 7.4% to $21.6 billion, which is slightly slower growth than 2019. But given the pandemic and the initial worries about, you know, what would that mean for music revenues, is a pretty good result, really. Um, and we're back almost to the industry levels of 2002 yes so there was that long decline that was in progress already then i think the nadir was probably 2014 ish uh and it's been climbing ever since and yes, yeah, so we're kind of back to the glory days of 2002 i'm trying to think yeah, what's happening we're, then we're back baby it's uh, <laughs> it's champagne for breakfast again in the music biz
0: um it's, yes, that's quite remarkable, isn't it? I mean, that, that in itself is a, an interesting statistic that it's taken essentially a full 20 years for the music industry to recover from um, an enormous disruptive event, um, which, which we can talk about another time, I guess. But w- w- this g- let's talk first perhaps then about the actual growth. Uh, where has the growth come from, even though it's a little bit slower? Where has the growth come from?
1: Yeah, so the growth is very much driven by streaming. Uh, so, label streaming revenues grew by just under twenty percent to thirteen point four billion. So, streaming is now just over sixty-two percent of labels' revenues globally. Um, and uh, elsewhere, physical sales are still falling. Download sales are still falling. Uh, performance rights fell by ten percent last year because of COVID nineteen, because of you know the lack of music being played in public space like bars and so on. Yeah. Uh, and sync revenues fell slightly too because again production delays in TV and film and games, uh, so there was less music being licensed for projects because those so kind of yeah. stream was the only thing that was growing. I think vinyl as well is obviously growing within physical, um, and yeah, basically the number of people on paid streaming subscriptions is growing well. That's up to four hundred and forty-three million now.
0: I mean that is an in, that is an enormous number, isn't it? And it's it, it's it's up by a uh, hundred million from the previous year, which hmm. is just a. a, a, a a phenomenally big number of to, to think that there's uh, nearly half a billion people around the world you're paying for music streaming or at least on a paid using a paid yeah. account because there could and, be family accounts, of course well, that is
1: that, that's one of the points that in the certainly in the version that the i three gave out doesn't break that down in in the us they they do start breaking sounds Yeah, so we don't quite know how many of those. People are not paying for it but are on a family account or a duo account, and so on. But yeah, I mean, I think when we first started writing about Spotify and Rhapsody back in the day, I think if you'd said there will be, you know, 443 million people on subscription services, it seemed like a massive goal. I remember 100 million being talked of as like an amazing goal. Yeah. So um, so yeah, it's so it's been it, it, it was kind of a genuine positive event. And I think that the message from the coming out from the IFPI was that it was a really tough year and labels fought through. And the artist fought through and the music came out and people carried on paying prescriptions. So it's kind of a, you know, the not, not a silver lining message, but kind of a, a positive VT within adversity message in terms of the growth yeah. continuing.
0: I mean, there's, there's some really fascinating numbers here. I mean, just to dwell on that sort of 440 million users of paid service, streaming services, um, it would be fascinating to sort of, to look back to the pre-streaming time the glory, the old glory days, and see how many people around the world engaged with purchasing music back then. There may be more people engaging with paid music, uh, in, in a sense, now than ever before, which is a really, um, which sort of suggests that growth can only keep going if you can add in more ways of paying, uh, which, mm. which, again, a, a, a discussion for another time, maybe. Um, but one other interesting thing was that this sort of, um, while the numbers of people using paid streaming has gone up, the, the average amount per user has gone down which mm. it, it, it sounds like a problem but it's not really is it when you think
1: about how the market's growing um no i mean it's it's well it's something that, that does does need a lot more kicking around as an idea so when you talk to the streaming service about this and say why is your arpu falling um they say we're get, we're expanding into uh, high potential markets where prices are lower and we're doing more family plans and in their view, these are both good things, and I think to some extent the music industry supports that. Uh, and there are some a little bit tensions around, you know, making sure everyone is on a family plan, really is in a family household. And but yeah, I, I mean, think no one's see, no one's really doing that, are they? I mean, we we all know that's probably not happening. No, no one's sharing Netflix accounts either. You know, you know it's no, no. It's, um, no. But I think um, so so in a sense, the the, the arpa is coming down, but. People are paying for music in markets that didn't really have a paid downloads market in the past or even physical. So, there is, yeah, there is an argument here, I think, that it has to come down because you can't charge $9.99 a month in India, in sub Saharan Africa, uh, mm. those, those kind of companies. But it's very exciting if you can charge something smaller there because you won't be able to charge anything before. So, yeah, there's kind of a, there's, yeah, the, there's nuances the, around that, I think.
0: Yeah, the, the, the fascinating growth areas in my opinion are you know, in the sort of the African markets sub-Saharan Africa where there was no streaming or no
1: network no sort of structure to allow that to happen before and suddenly there is that's a really interesting opportunity. It was also notable I think at the IFPI every year when they do this report they have an event normally it's a physical event you go along in the morning and the, the three major labels sit there in front of you with Francis Moore the boss of the IFPI and they tell you what they think are the key trends and this year obviously it was all on Zoom but they had this big, much bigger panel and it included uh, some people from major labels who are dealing with uh, Southeast Asia, uh, with Africa, with India, with emerging markets. And there was very much, that this is what they wanted to talk about, that, that the trend that they're excited by is, is not just the, the the more money being made in these high potential markets, but also the potential for music to come out of those places and go globally. So certainly at the moment, I mean, in fact, the other day, you wrote a piece for us about um, Free Me and Afrobeats and the potential for Afrobeats artists to break globally. So I think that's what the major labels are very excited about. This idea of that as they expand into all kinds of new places, they can also bring the music back globally and hopefully do what reggaeton's done, for example, from Latin America.
0: Yeah. And um, you mentioned uh, IFPI CEO Francis Moore there. Um, the, the, there was an interesting response to the recent campaigns over artist royalties, wasn't there, at this event?
1: yeah it was literally the first questions <laughs> so they introduced this event by saying you know it's really positive news great optimism to the report and the first question which i think was from someone at like afp maybe which is like but what about the artist protests and that really is one of the key points here that whenever there's big figures showing the industry is growing the immediate question now is but why are so many artists complaining and that was addressed so yeah i think i mean francis moore she basically trod the, the labels line that we've seen before which is that artists have got more choice they can be with a the label they can be do it yourself and there's big competition for those artists so they can pick the deals that work for them. Um, she talked about an IFPI study, which she claimed said that actual artists' revenues are higher than the revenues coming back to the industry after costs, uh, mm. which is not public research. They haven't published this, but that's kind of really intriguing. That the IFPI has done some research that it thinks supports its cause, that artists are doing well. Uh, and I wonder if we may see the, it sharing more of those stats in the coming months.
0: Yeah, it'd be nice to... Get, nice to uh get our hands on that report wouldn't it if yeah. um, anonymous anonymous but sources was- want to <laughs> drop us
1: an email <laughs> yeah. but I think um one of the other things was in the actual report itself they have this page or there's this section which is kind of creating a fair environment for music and what it is it's always it's been there every year and it's basically the IFPI's key lobbying pillars like these are the things we are lobbying for and they're basically the same every year so there's one about sort of um piracy and safe harbor and all those things and the third one is about a fair and functioning marketplace where everyone can agree the terms of their relationship is basically saying butt out governments don't get involved in how we do yeah. contract deals and they've rewritten it this year and so now it's yeah. kind of still the same idea but it says uh, respect freedom of contract in a fair and functioning marketplace parties should be free to agree the terms of their licensing arrangements interference however well intentioned will distort the market decentivize investment and undermine the growth of the entire sector uh, binding industry's hands through static regulation which would never evolve as fast as technology limits the ability of labels artists and platforms to find the most effective so and so and so which to me seemed like you know maybe you would rewrite this every year anyway to make it not the same text but it seemed to me to be responding in part to uh what's been happening in the uk's streaming yeah, inquiry, the Parliamentary inquiry inquiry yeah i suppose in the past the the discourse has been around external threats So, piracy as an external threat to the music industry, uh, YouTube and safe harbor. Um, Now, this is kind of saying, well, if politicians bring in legislation that is kind of been driven for internally by artists and artist rights groups, this is setting out the IFPI's view. That's a bad thing, which is not again. Jeff Taylor told us the same thing basically when, when we interviewed him before. So it's not yeah. a surprise. But I think it does recognise that this is a matter that the labels are very concerned about what might
0: happen. Yes, what- if anything, it shows that this this ongoing campaign. You know, the things we've mentioned so far are, you know, okay. You, you, the response has been okay. But what about artists and where does the money go? And 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 whatever wherever you fall on that. Whichever side of that argument, and uh, you know, you and me, Stu, we've got splinters in our asses because we're sitting on the fence all the time. <laughs> but um, uh, it, it's interesting to see that this is becoming a topic that won't go away, and
1: it's being and it is clearly being addressed now as well. The IFPM makes a case, as do the BPI and so on, they make the case for the positive role labels play. And this is this is an argument that does deserve merit that, that the labels aren't all screwing all artists, that labels yeah. do some brilliant things with artists, they help them grow. They, they, they do do fair deals. Like it's, it's it's a very much a nuanced marketplace and they're a good example. And that is something that, again, broken records acknowledge. They don't say all oh, labels are bastards. Yeah. So yeah. I think there's the IPI report does make some of that case again about partnership with artists. And I think one of the senses we've got, this is kind of going off topic a bit, but the, the very nature of this inquiry and the wider debate around stream royalties, it is nudging along more and more labels are offering more flexible deals. Like the yeah. fact this is being talked about is bringing change regardless of what the politicians do so i think there's there's a good there's a good there's progress to talk about there without having to condemn either side you know but like you say spins in our ass that should actually
0: be the name of our podcast shouldn't it? if we thought about (laughs) it um and finally was there any sort of interesting you you, you you're saying that there was this um sort of expanded zoom launch event was there any interesting conversations or questions or anything that came up at the launch
1: yeah well something that jumped out to me came from uh one music group exec so jess keely carter who she is the svp of global marketing and she talked about this idea of being immersed in tech trends, not just looking at data, but living and breathing in these platforms. And she talked, she said this, this very interesting sentence which was like, COVID has supercharged adoption and also supercharged the speeds at which trends are spiking and then decaying. And the time in which we have to jump on those trends is shortening, which I thought was interesting. Like it's, it's when you think about it, it seems it just seems logical. It doesn't seem like a big surprise, but it did make me think- It's yeah, a bit actually, stressful as well, doesn't it? Well, <laughs> We've talked about COVID as an acceleration of lots of digital things like it made it made everyone suddenly live online all the time. But we haven't talked about it decaying the rate of those things spike and like as a label, you could jump on something and then suddenly it's gone. And we're, we're thinking about stuff like NFTs, at the moment, aren't we, where we're wondering what is how long is this moment going to last? And if everyone clambers on in two months time, will they suddenly be too late? And. It was interesting hearing a label talk about this idea of it's not just that trends are accelerated, but they also they die more quickly. And if you you can get caught out, well,
0: the, I mean that's an interesting um, comment, isn't it? Because one of the things that you and I have heard from talking to startups a lot is the the slowness of adoption from major labels and and, and other parts of the industry, but specifically from labels, from what I've heard, and and that they are sort of willing to recognise uh, new technology advances, but then adopt them at a sort of more conservative timeframe. Mm. And it's something we've heard repeatedly now, that people who are in those positions and in innovations teams are sort of picking up on things a little bit earlier. And so perhaps that's, you know, in an industry which is perhaps notorious for being slow at adopting new technology and, and suffering for it, which takes us back to the start of our conversation about that 20-year uh, gap.
1: Maybe maybe this is an interesting sign and will be good for everybody. Yeah, and also, I think it comes into the the, the evolution of labels and the people they're hiring. So as they're hungri- hiring younger, more diverse people and giving them their heads. And I think she was, just saying this in the piece, she was saying, you know, you hire people who spend their after work hours playing Fortnite. You know, you're not you're not going in saying, well, I think we should do this Fortnite thing. What is it? You're hiring people who are immersed in this stuff, you know, and that goes better mm-hmm. than anything. And then I think the point was, you can actually take decisions on your gut and say, I think we should try this and let's do it because I understand that world, not because I'm trying to wait for data to tell me it's safe to do it. And so that would be a really interesting shift. And I think, again, a lot of people labels already doing this. So I think it's an evolution that's already been happening. But this idea of, yeah, don't wait for the data to tell you it's safe and you won't lose your job by trying something new, but have people who are so immersed in these new technologies that they can suggest the risky things and you can try it and maybe have it pay off hugely.
0: It'll be interesting to see next year how the response to that you know, the sort of COVID year, of which has perhaps encouraged adoption of new things, uh, how, how that is... Reflected in the data next year. Well, thanks, Stu. And uh, if you found that useful and want more of Stu's in depth news and trusted analysis waiting for you in your inbox every morning, uh, head over to musicallied.com forward slash subscribe. Don't forget, as ever, indie labels, artist managers, or publishers might be eligible for one of our sponsored complimentary subscriptions. Uh, We also have a free weekly email, which is uh, out every Friday, The Knowledge. um, And that rounds up a few of the bits and pieces of the most interesting stuff every week from Musical.ly, so uh, you can sign up and uh, you could mint it as an NFT and retire on the profits, I guess. Uh, That would be the the most modern way of approaching it. Links are in the description as always. So uh, from me, Joe Sparrow and Stuart Dredge, until next time, farewell.